0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound MMA Podcast. We are your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. My name is Robert Winfrey, I'm your host, and I have to start out this episode with an apology. So, turns out, for the last few weeks, you all have been picking up some ambient noise from where I record that I was not aware of. Um, I'm very, very sorry about this. Uh, Turns out, I'm not going to go into full details here, but a couple of friends of mine who listened to the show asked me about it, and I double-checked, went back and listened to some stuff, and, oi, you guys, yeah, you picked up some stuff. Now, so you understand what happened. My, (laughs) uh, for some reason, everything else I record is happy to go through the microphone attached to my headset. And the microphone attached to my headset does not pick up a bunch of the other stuff that goes on around me. Like the again, the water sound that's coming from an aquarium that you've all had to suffer through. And again, I'm so sorry about that. Uh, it doesn't pick those up, that's why I prefer to use it. Any other show I do, any other podcasts I've done, whatever... They all go through that for some reason... The setup I have to record this show got switched to defaulting through the uh, speaker slash microphone on my webcam. I don't know how that happened. I don't exactly know when it happened. And that, it's a very good, you know, as far as speaker setups, speaker mics go, you know, on webcams, it's, it's good, like... I'm a little bit surprised at how good the quality was as a general rule, actually, of my voice on that. But, it, again, it doesn't filter very well. It picks up a bunch of stuff, and I don't want you to hear that. You don't want to hear that. And I am I switched it, I've, which wound up being a bigger pain than it should have been. I'm annoyed that the... This is what really annoys me. I don't listen to the shows after I record them, uh, because I record the shows. So I don't really go back and listen to my old stuff as a general rule. Unless I want, want, unless I need to reference myself, but it wasn't showing up on the sound file. Like I, I know this because I did, I, I did test recordings after the fact. Like, okay, hang on, what's it sound? What's it show up looking like with I? I feel like anything that audible should show up on my sound file. <laughs> you know, when you look at it with the wave, with the you know wave lines and whatnot, and for some reason it doesn't show up. As appreciably different from my regular kind of silence, when it's so, I'm annoyed with a couple of things that I've been doing, and all I can do for you people is apologize again profusely. I am so, so sorry. Uh, thank you very much for sticking with me in spite of that. It should, it, it's fixed now. I know it's fixed. I've tested this one, I've tested my setup a couple of times now, so I know we're good. Uh, I'm I'm just very, very sorry about that. So. But we live, we learn, we move forward. Shouldn't happen again. And I thank you again for your patience. as And your indulgence as I dealt with that crap. Alright. Uh, a very happy post-Thanksgiving to all of my listeners in the United States. We're just a little bit after that particular holiday. Uh, hope you all had a good and safe time. I did. Uh. I can regale you with holiday stories, um, but uh, there was no UFC event last week. So, see, what else do I have to do here? Oh, let me do my boilerplate. Now that my apologies out of the way, I can read. I can go back to the prepackaged stuff because that uh, that my apologies very sincere. The fact I, I'm not I don't mean to imply that I don't want you to do anything I'm about to say, but the this is just kind of stuff that I do every time. So. Please interact with the product if you think it's any good, and I wouldn't blame you for not thinking it's good. in The last couple of weeks, uh, again, no blame with you at all. Uh, please like, comment, subscribe if that's in the, if that's at all relevant. Star rating, written review, anything and everything that you can do in that particular vein to help the algorithm. If you've done all that, share. Tell people you know. Uh, be that in lo- be that online or in person. If you think they'd be interested or might benefit from the show, point them in our direction. If you don't like them and wish for them to be at least annoyed by me for a little bit, do that as well. I don't care. I'm not a proud man. I will take listens however I can get them. So thank you all very, very much, as always. All right, the agenda for this evening. The upcoming UFC event, UFC on ESPN 42. And news. The PFL had an event. There's Dude, there was some stuff, man. The craziness at the light heavyweight division. We will talk about that, I promise you. So we got some stuff to do. Let's jump right into it, shall we? Main event, UFC on ESPN 42. They are, I I joked about this, but they had to put effort into this card. This card is taking place in Orlando, Florida. And if they have to sell tickets, they have to put a little bit of effort into this. Not like the Apex stuff where they just throw out whatever crap they can. So, we've got actually a decent card here. I mentioned this last week. Decent card. I don't think it's great, but it's decent. Anyway, main event. Welterweight. Steven Wonderboy Thompson taking on Kevin Holland. This is kind of an important fight for Steven Thompson. Thompson is 39. So, not exactly a, a young guy in a sport that is not kind to the elderly. So there's that to consider. And he's also had some really rough goes of it lately. He's 2-6 and six in his last four. Now, I thought he beat Darren Till. I thought that was a bogus decision. But Anthony Pettis knocked him out. Granted, he was beating Pettis pretty badly before that. Uh, but the losses to both Gilbert Burns and Bilal Muhammad have been perfectly legitimate. Um, he's just, again, age has caught up to him a little bit. The game has caught up to him a little bit. If he loses here, I mean, I'm not, I don't know if he'll retire or not. I'm not privy to his inner thoughts, workings, plannings, machinations, etc. But if he does lose here, that's three in a row. He's on a two fight losing streak at the moment. The aforementioned um, Burns and Muhammad fights. It's a real bad look. It's a real bad look. Kevin Holland, by contrast, is 30. He's a big guy. I mean, Holland's 6'3". He's one of the taller welterweights in the UFC, if memory serves. Uh, he's been up and down. He's been up and down a little bit. There was some talk, if you'll recall, he's kind of mentioned that he was going to retire maybe after the fight with Kamzat Shemaev and whatnot. So he's back here. He's fighting whatever whatever he needed to get out of that particular public discussion he got, it seems. So he's coming off the loss to Shemaev. Uh, that was September of this year, so it's back in relatively short order. He had won two in a row before that, beating Alex Oliveira and Tim Means. He had the no contest with Kyle Daukus. Um, look, I like Stephen Thompson, I really do, but at his age, I don't know. It, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to pick him at this point. So I'm rooting for him. He is gen. He's one of... This gets mentioned all the time. Most fighters are kind of jerks. Not all of them. Most of them. Uh, there's a reason that most fighters... If you talk with people in the ind- who spend a lot of time in the industry... Whether that's... If you get promoters kind of when they're not having their promoter hat on... Or coaches and journalists and whatnot. Like, they don't always say a lot of nice things about a lot of fighters. And the fact that they know more than you about these people should be an indicator about that. Again, this is not ironclad. I'm not saying be jerks to fighters. I'm not. I'm saying that when you come across genuinely good human beings who happen to fistfight for a living, it's a rarity. Stephen Thompson is one of the good ones. And I am just wanted to make sure we acknowledge that. So I'm rooting for him to the extent that I root for anyone, but I don't think I can pick him at this point. Uh, it's just kind of where I've landed on that one. That's your main event. It's a, pretty sol- it's a solid main event. You know, you, for a fight night, there's nothing wrong with that. You, know, you got Holland trying to make his way towards the top of welterweight. You got Thompson trying to hang on, still be a relevant player. You know, is it great? Yeah, it's not great, but there's not really a problem with it. Co-main event, welterweight. This is a pretty good fight, too. Brian Barberina and Rafael dos Anjos. These two are going to get after it. Barbarina's pace might be a bit of a problem for Rafael Dos Anjos. Dos Anjos has great conditioning. I mean, the man kept pace with Tony Ferguson when they fought in Mexico City. But... I'm going to phrase this carefully. Dos Anjos is a guy who... Bear in mind, when I say coast, I don't mean this as an insult. I mean, he sets the pace he knows he can fight at. And it's high... But if you make him dip and valley too much within that, he does struggle a little bit. Um, Barbarina is a tough-as-nails guy. These two are going to hit each other. They're going to get after it. The wrestling advantage probably goes with Dos Anjos. Barbarina is not easy to hold down, but Dos Anjos is, a very, is very good top control. Uh, that's a lot of the reason I'm leaning towards Dos Anjos here. Um, both men are going to land punches. I have no doubt there's going to be some kicks. Probably some nasty ones. But I think once they wind up tied up, uh, Dos Santos can get things down, and I think he'll be able to kind of keep Barbarena there. Just my hunch there, but it's a good fight. Leaning RDA. Uh, Let's see, next, we have flyweights. Matthews Nicolau and Matt Schnell. This is going to fly under a lot of people's radars because they don't care about flyweights, but Nicolau has exactly one loss in the UFC. Um, he has wins over John Moraga, Luis Smolka, Manel Kopp, and a little bit of a dicey split decision there. But, uh, his last two wins over Tim Elliott and David Dvorak were very, very good. He's a very good fighter. And Matt Schnell is also a very good fighter. Um, Schnell's a little bit more up and down because he fights a lot more. Uh, he choked out Sumudarji back in July. That was a crazy fight. I had a crazy fight with Brandon Royville before that. You remember that one? They're both badly rocked. And you know, he had Royval in all kinds of trouble. And then Royval comes back and gets that guillotine. It was not like... Schnell always has good fights. I can't think of a bad Jordan... Sch- uh, Matt Schnell fight. Sorry, not Jordan. can't think of a bad Matt Schnell fight. Uh, my hunch is out here. I think he's a little bit more kind of, He has momentum. I think he's a little bit more in the ascendancy. You know, Schnell's been around for a long time. You guys may not remember this, but uh he was on an M- he was on an MTV show, a reality series called Caged way back in like 2012, so over a decade ago. I mean, Schnell fought yeah, his debut was 2012. So, he's been fighting over 10 years, and he's how old is he? He's only 32, though, but jeez there's some miles on that guy. Uh, I'm, gonna, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna lean towards Nikolau, but that fight's probably gonna be good. Heavyweights, because why? Um, Tuivasa and Sergey Pavlovich. Tuivasa coming off of that really, uh, that tough setback against Cyril Gon, where you know he was down two rounds and he finally hit Gon somewhat clean, dropped Gon, Gon got back up and then proceeded to resume torturing him with body work. Uh, invert to the stoppage. But he was on a good winning streak before that. All of him finishes. He's a dangerous guy to fight. Pavlovich, I think his only loss is to, yeah, Um uh, That was his UFC debut, actually. Well, Which says a lot, man. If your UFC debut is against Alistair Overeem, uh, that says a lot. And he came up short there. Since then, four in a row, four first-round stoppages... Last one over Derek Lewis. Lewis didn't like that stoppage. Um, Honestly, the way he stopped Shamil Abdurahimov, I think, was a little bit more impressive in some because Abdurahimov is just hard to get out of there. Like, not impossible, but it's hard to stop him. Uh, Let's see. So, as long as this doesn't go long, I think we'll be in for something at least watchable. I mean, I joke about heavyweights because it's true, but I'm going to lean towards Pavlovich here, actually, which is probably very stupid of me, for the record. Not encouraging you to agree with me on this one, but I don't know. Um, No, you know what? Hang on. Let me retract that. If Pavlovich is a... Not to say that Pavlovich can't win this, but he's a bit of a headhunter. Headhunting Tai Tuivasa is not a great idea. You have to break him down, and he doesn't like body work. You have to put some effort into that. And once you get him hurt, you get, again, you kill the head, the body fo- You kill the body, the head follows, right? But you can't really headhunt Tai Tuivasa. That tends to go badly for people. I'm not going to be shocked if Pavlovich wins. He's a big guy. He's got power. He's got fast hands. But I think there's kind of a general strategic element that favors Tuivasa here in that Tuivasa is a bit of a wild man. And he's durable enough to take the one punch, you know, or even the two punches. Like, you've got to... If you want to to beat Tai Vasa, you like I said, you have to break him down. You can't just go out there and one punch the guy. So... I'm going to lean towards Tuivasa, actually. I thought about that a little bit more. But hopefully it doesn't last long. That's my big hope for that one. And kicking off the main card in our OY category, Eric Anders is here to fight Kyle Dawkus. Anders is 1-3 and three with a no contest in his last six fights. Or five fights, rather. excuse me. Math was wrong. He's on a two-fight losing streak. Now, one of those was Andre Muniz, who is very, very good. The other was Jun Young Park, who is not bad. But it's the Iron Turtle, right? Yeah, the Iron Turtle. Love that. Look, I have a I enjoy that guy's fights, but I'm not under any illusion about, you know, who he is and what he does and whatnot. So Man, that split decision loss to Leoto Machida seems to have really kind of did a number on Anders. And I thought he won that fight for the record. I thought he kind of got hosed up by the judges there. Um, Kyle Daukus, he's had a rough go of it. Yeah, you know, he had that. Uh, his debut was against Brendan Allen, which is a tough draw. Lost to Phil Hawes. He had the what should have, what was originally a win over Kevin Holland turned to a no contest because they banged heads. He beats Jamie Pickett not terribly surprising pickett. Eh, I don't know Pickett's UFC caliber. Got stopped by Roman De in his last fight. I don't know. I I I can't in good. I I you can't feel confident picking either way in this one just because of who's involved, but I'm going to lean towards Anders, I think. At the moment that's the main card. However, we had a fight that I might wind up on the main card. We were supposed to get Jack Hermanson and Derek Brunson for this fight. Derek Brunson withdrew. Some kind of injury. He was replaced by Roman DeLidze. So I would assume that Jack Hermanson versus Roman DeLidze is on the main card of this event. My assum- that's an assumption. So I'm going to talk about it here. Um, I mean, I don't have anything against Jack Hermanson. But it's been real up and down. He's coming off a win. Uh, he beat Chris Curtis. Be a weird decision. Uh, uh, the decision was not weird. He rightfully won the fight. The fight was weird. Whereas Lidze, Uh finished his last two fights. He's knocked out both Kyle Dawkins and Phil Oz. It's a big step up for him though. I mean, Hermanson is better than everyone he's fought. Yeah, by a pretty significant margin. Um, hmm. ...does somewhat complicate matters, doesn't it? Uh... Let's go with De say I might be very wrong here. Might be very, very wrong, but... I don't know. Um, Hermanson seems to have topped out. Now, where he is topped out at might still be good enough to beat Roman De Lidze, Let's be very clear about that. But... I think we've kind of seen the best of Hermansen, and I don't know that we've seen the best of DeLitza yet. So I assume that's the main card. Uh, I'll get to the prelims in just a second. But main card, be covering that in the MMA 4 on one maniacom per usual, as well as all the prelims. So let's move on to the prelims real fast. So, prelims. Nico Price versus Philip Rowe. How do I feel about this? I mean, it's Nico Price, the kind of living embodiment of Florida, man. Uh, I say that with respect. But, you know I'm right. <laughs> uh, he's been out of action for a bit. Yeah, he's been out for over a year. know What happened? I don't know if it's kind of an injury. Uh, he beat Alex Oliveira October of last year. So, yeah, been out for a while. Lost to Michelle Pereira before that. Had the weird fight with Don Cerrone that was originally a draw. Then a no contest. He lost to Vicente Luque. Luque busted him up. That was a doctor stoppage. Um... So, the layoff's a little bit of a thing. Uh, Rowe, on the other hand... <sighs> Rowe's been a bit weird. Lost to Gabriel Green in his UFC debut. Since then, he's beat Ryan Kosey and Jason Witt. Uh, he missed weight for the Cosey fight. I'm gonna pick Price here, and just acknowledge that Price is a very volatile, very up-and-down kind of fighter, so I have no real confidence in that, but... Rowe's been... uh, He's been distinctly unimpressive thus far. I mean... Now, that's a bit unfair. He's got a couple of... Because... The weight miss against Orion Kosey was... That holds a pretty big cloud over that fight. The Jason Whitwin was very... Was solid. Uh, That was a really nice... Really nice finishing sequence he put together. So I... Let me walk that back just a little bit. I don't mean to be dismissive of him, but... More familiar with Price... And this is kind of a step up for Roe. One you could argue he earned, and I wouldn't disagree with you. So I'm gonna lean towards Price. Women's strawweight. Oh God, Angela Hill and Emily Ducote. Can we just stop with Angela Hill fights, please? They're all the same. You know I look. You know I'm right. Don't don't give me that. I've seen every Angela Hill fight in the UFC. Most of her second. Every I saw her Invicta run. Understand. This woman debuted in the UFC for her second professional fight, which I covered. Covered all of her lo- covered her loss to the Center Route. I watched her. I think I covered at least one of those Invicta events she fought on, because Cyborg was on it. I watched the others. I've covered every fight of so. The only legitimately, the only Angela Hill fight I have not seen was her professional debut. I have seen every other time this woman has fought in the cage, and she's had been on the wrong end of some weird decisions on occasion, yeah, she's also she's benefited from a couple of decisions that were a little bit wonky, but yeah i I don't know i just I don't quite know what we're doing here anymore I think, uh, as a person she's Got a very bright personality. She does a good job on the analyst desk. I'm not knocking her in that respect. But if your fights have looked the same for the last, you know, eight years, give or take, I I do kind of question what we're doing here. Um. Anyway, she's fighting Emily Ducati. Uh, Ducati made her UFC debut earlier this year, beating Jessica Penne. Had a pretty good winning streak going before that. Um, I don't know. Hang on. Hill's coming off a win, right? Yeah, over Lupita Godinez. Um, Angela Hill hasn't won consecutive fights since 2020. Uh, Yeah, I'm picking Ducati, I guess. I just, I don't know. I, uh, I've picked Angela Hill to win in the past, but I don't know. I just, I don't feel it here. Uh, lightweights Clay Guida. Speaking of, what are we doing here anymore? Clay Guida. Uh, he's fighting Scott Holtzman. I I don't pick Clay Guida to win fights at this point. He is 40, fighting at lightweight. Um, that w- that fight with Leonardo Santos. That fight probably should have been stopped when Santos was you know dropping him in the first round before he just kind of persevered and got Santos in the second. Uh, coming off the loss to Claudio Puyas. Scott Holtzman is, actually, is also pretty good. He's on a tough streak at the moment. He got knocked out by Benil Daryush and then immediately fought Mateus Gam- Not immediately, but his next fight was against Mateus Gamrot. So, two of the, you know, 10 best lightweights in the UFC, if not the world, right there. I imagine he's still got more than enough to beat Clay Guida. Just a hunch. Uh, Lightweight, Michael Johnson, Mark Giacchese. What the heck are we doing? Here's the only question about Mark Giacchese. Does he come out with the knee sleeves on? If he comes out with the knee sleeves on, he's going to wrestle. Look, Michael Johnson, he's got fast hands and he's got power. And for about three minutes, he's a very, very dangerous guy to fight. He's got some, he's got wins over some very good guys who you would not expect him to have wins over even in some cases. Uh, you know, he's he's not an easy guy to fight. He's also got one win in his last, what, six fights? Hang on. So he got knocked out by Emmett. He was winning that fight, too, before that third round. He got knocked out. Lost to Stevie Ray. Lost to Tiago Moises. Lost to Clay Guida. He lost to Clay Guida in 2021. That's a real problem. Beats Alon Patrick Loses to Jamie Malarkey. Yeah, so in six fights. Um... On the other hand, we have Mark Giacchese, who came into the UFC and <laughs> was touted as this crushing, dynamic, powerful striker. Amazing how many guys start that way in the regional scene, and they get to the UFC, they can't run people over, and they learn to wrestle. That guy hasn't finished—you wonder how many people he has finished in the UFC, your big dynamic power striker that you brought in? He's finished two. He debuted for the UFC in 2016. He has how many UFC fights? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12? Yeah. Two finishes. His debut, where he stopped Wukasiewski, And then a fight after that, he knocked out Timu Pakalan. Since then, decision that he lost... Submitted by Dan Hooker, lost a decision, won a decision, won a decision, lost a decision, got submitted, won a decision, won a decision. He's going to come out. He's going to wrestle Michael Johnson. He's probably going to beat him that way. Uh, So I guess I'm picking Jacasi, but that fight's probably going to suck. Featherweights, Darren Elkins, still hanging around. There's a lot of old guys here. I may say old for the UFC. There's a lot of veteran fighters here. I'll phrase it more kindly. Mr. Elkins beat Tristan Connolly his last time out. He got beat the crap down by Cub Swanson before that, though. Um, He's fighting Jonathan Pierce. Pierce only has one loss in the UFC. His debut was up at lightweight on short notice against Joe Lozon. This is a big step up for Pierce. This is a pretty big step up, actually. His other fights in the UFC after the Lozon fight. Kai Kamaka, Omar Morales, Christian Rodriguez, and Maquan Amir Khan. He's a... We can joke about Darren Elkins' fighting style and his terrible tattoos. But he's a much more proven commodity than everyone else that Pierce has fought. I'm I'm gonna pick Pierce still. But... Because, look, man, that... The wheels are gonna fall off of that thing for Darren Elkins. He You can't fight the way he fights sustainably. It's just not possible. And I think pre- I think Pierce has some pretty, a pretty high ceiling. So you know, whether or not this winds up just being, you know, the a, veter- a learning experience at the hands of a veteran for Pierce, which happens to a lot of guys, or not, we'll see. But I, I, I don't know. I just, I don't, I can't say I don't pick Darren Elkins to win here, but I'm not going to pick him in this case. Women's flyweight, Tracy Cortez and Amanda Hebos. Not a terrible fight. Uh, Tracy Cortez on a 10-fight winning streak. What four in the UFC? Yeah. All decisions. Uh, she hasn't had a finish since two thousand eighteen when she was fighting in Kombache. Uh, defeated Karen Sedillo. Anyway, uh Amanda Hebas was turned back when she tried to stake both of her t- both the times she's tried to step up in competition, that's gone badly for her. She debuted in the UFC and had a pretty good run. She beats Emily Whitmire, Mackenzie Dern. A little bit of an upset. Randa Marcos, Paige Van Zandt. Then she steps up to fight Marina Rodriguez and loses pretty badly. Gets stopped in the second round. She fights. She beats Virna Jandiroba. Then she steps up to fight Caitlin Chukagian and loses a split decision. That really shouldn't have been split. Uh, that was a very Chukagian fight, and Chukagian wins most Chukagian fights. Uh, was flyweight? We have flyweight here. Yeah, flyweight does not seem to favor Amanda Hebos. Um, I think I'm gonna lean towards her here. Am I? I don't know. This is a tough one. It's actually a tough one to pick. Yeah, I guess I'll lean towards Hebos just a little bit, but yeah, that's a that's a tilt. Like that's a tilt, even more less less than a lean. Like tilts. See, lightweights, Natan Levy and Gennaro Valdez. I think that's a Levy pick. Featherweights, Marcelo Rojo and Francis Marshall. I think that's Marshall. Assume. I'm, I'm going to pick Marshall there, yeah. And kicking everything off at Strawweight, Yasmin uh, Yarugeri and Estella Nunez. Um. Yadri Gary was really impressive in her debut. Actually, I mean, Nunes didn't look bad either. So that's not a terrible fight. Uh, I'll, I'll go with you. I'll go with Gary, though, and go with that one. And that's the event. Sue, so, I will be covering that Saturday in the MMA Zone of the Four and One Mania dot com, per usual. I hope you'll all stop by, say hello. I always appreciate it. All right, news. Let's start with the PFL because the PFL had their season finale on Friday on pay-per-view, which was going to cost you about 50 bucks. I I don't think they did well on that financially. Um look, I I like the PFL's product. They have some good fighters, they put on some good fights. I I don't talk about them every week mostly because I don't want to be here for, you know, an innumerable number of hours going over minutia when I've got a small podcast anyway. Like if I if I had a bigger audience and y'all would indulge me in that, maybe I would. But I the with reality. Uh but I I do watch a lot of their stuff. And that said, man, 50 bucks for their product is that's a steep ask. It's a real steep ask. So, as far as the results, we had a big upset. Larissa Pacheco defeated Kayla Harrison via unanimous decision. This was 3 rounds to 2. Uh really, you know what? These two have fought before. And it's gotten Harrison's way every time. I appreciate some of the adjustments Pacheco had had to make. She was able to land some good punches. Uh, and uh, I agreed with the decision. I thought Pacheco was the rightful winner. Uh, so pretty big upset for him. Uh, let's see. In was it featherweight. It was lightweight, I believe. Um, Brendan Lochnan who you may remember from a few years ago. He competed on the Contender Series, and Dana White did not offer him a contract because he shot for a takedown near the end of the third round. And he went on to kind of trash him to the media. Well, now Mr. Lachman has won a million dollars. He made more in this night. I guarantee you this. I guarantee you this he made more he made more money fighting in this season of PFL than he did than he would have in 3 years fighting for the UFC. I guarantee it. I don't you I would be shocked if you could find anyone realistically coming off the contender series who made over a million dollars in their first 3 years fighting for the UFC. I don't think it exists. Uh Especially if we're just talking about what the UFC pays out, some fighters who come out out of that might be able to leverage some of their celebrity into other avenues. But the UFC, the UFC would, the UFC will have paid no one, you know, three in three years coming off the contender series what Brendan Lockton made for this fight, because that's not how the UFC does business. So good on him for getting paid. Genuinely happy for the guy. Uh, Jeremy Stevens lost his fight. Shouldn't be too surprising at this point. I mean, Stevens is just, he's over the hill. He's still dangerous and he could still beat the crap out of you, me, or, you know, anybody on the street. But we're not talking about you, me, or anybody on the street. We're talking about a fellow professional fighter who has worked to, you know, deal with Jeremy Stevens in that capacity. Here's my gripe about the PFL um, a couple of things. One, they just litter their broadcast. Like, visually. It is cluttered with crap. And it's annoying. Second, their rule set. I get that if you're having a tournament fight, given the time frame that some of these tournaments take place under, you don't want people to get cut and then win. So you disallow elbows. Okay, fair enough. I don't like it, but I understand it. There's no reason for other fights under their banner not to have elbows. And there's still some wonkiness around their elbow rules. And I think it's stupid. Fix that. Sort that out. Please. It's stupid what you're doing. But, yeah, so, again, those are my brief thoughts on that. Whatever that's worth. Uh, all right, let's, okay, let's move on to this insanity. So, news broke during the week. Yuri Prohatchka is out. He was supposed to fight Jan, no, he's supposed to fight Glover Teixeira in a rematch of their amazing fight. Uh, They were supposed to fight at UFC 282 December 10th. That would be the last pay-per-view of the year. And, unfortunately, that fight's not going to happen. Yuri Prohachka suffered some kind of shoulder injury. Don't know the details. We know it's bad. If you believe Dana White and... I would hesitate to believe him in specificity about this because of his penchant for hyperbole. But when he brought, was asked about it and whatnot, he said, you know, "This, the doctors said this was the worst shoulder injury they'd ever seen. We don't know. how you know, It's going to take surgery. He's going to be out for over a year, etc., uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Now, again, I don't know the specifics. I know shoulder injuries can be very bad. I question whether or not this is actually the worst shoulder injury that doctor's ever seen, whether the doctor is being hyperbolic, whether Dana's being hyperbolic. Could be any number of that. But everyone involved has confirmed it was a bad injury. And it's gonna be he's gonna be out for a while. So he's vacated the title. And I have to you know what? I have to applaud This is a business that does not reward personal integrity, right? It doesn't. You don't have to like that fact. That's a fact. So to see a guy just of his own volition give up the title uh, rather than kind of draw things out or whatnot, I, I appreciate that. Now, he said he will get the first, when he's ready to return, he will get a crack at it, and apparently he'll still get pay-per-view points for that fight, so it looks like this is being handled about as well as can be expected. So you might be asking yourself, well, what about UFC 282? That was supposed to be the main event. There is no champion. What are we doing now? It's a fair question. So, here's what happened. The series of events as near as I can tell. And this is somewhat had been reported by you know some of the fighters involved. I'm just going to kind of summarize this. The UFC talked to Glover Teixeira, who is preparing for the main event again to fight Yuri Parashkevich, and they say, you know, Yuri's out. We would like, you know, we'd like you to fight Magomed Ankalaev in the main event, UFC 282 for the vacant belt. Glover Teixeira looks at the time frame looks at Magomed Onkolaev, looks at everything he's been doing, and says, I don't think two and a half weeks is enough time for me to prepare for Magomed Onkolaev. I'm perfectly willing to fight Jan Blachowicz at UFC 282. How about that? The UFC's response is, we think, something to the effect of, we think Ankalaev is the guy we want to go with here. And, Glover then says, okay, I will fight him at UFC 283 in Rio. That'll give me enough time to prepare. And the UFC's response is, we need a title fight for UFC 282. Now, I understand Glover to share his position here, believe it or not. Look, he's been preparing to fight one guy who's very unique. Yuri Prochka is a fairly, again, he's a fairly unique opponent. There's not a lot of guys who fight like he does. He's a bit of a wild man. He's a bit of an everywhere guy. There's a lot of stuff that Yuri does that takes very specific preparation. Now let's consider Magomed Ankolaev by counterpoint. Ankolaev is normally a southpaw, first of all, which is a big shift. Magomed Ankolaev is maybe the best light heavyweight in the world. I tend to think so. And more importantly, if we if we just look at fight styles, fight tactics, etc., Ankalaev is about as polar opposite from Yuri Prokhorchik as you can get. Ankalaev is a technician. He is good everywhere, but he is very he's very by the numbers everywhere. He's very controlled. He fights at distance. He fights in the clinch. you know. But if you look at him, he's very, very good. Again, he's maybe the best guy in the world. But if you're preparing to fight Yuri Perhatchka, there's very little of that prep work and game planning that is transferable to fighting Magomed Onkolaev. Trying to do that on two and a half weeks' notice? Like, I get it, man. I absolutely get Glover his point here. I really do. Here's what Glover and a lot of other fighters, any fighters that might be listening to this, you need to understand this. Other people have said this. I'm not the first one to say it. I won't be the last one to say it. The promoter is not your friend at all. The UFC is a machine that has to keep the the machinery turning, right? That's all they care about. They don't care about you, except as mu- in as much as you can assist them, in turning the machinery over the UFC needs a big fight for UFC 282 preferably a title fight they the UFC is on record they prefer title fights for pay-per-views this is how they do business this means they're going to want the title fight for UFC 282 and they have the other half of the they have one half of the equation that they are already set on for whatever reason You either accommodate their desires, or you pound sand. This is how they do business. (coughs) Glover coming out after the fact and going, you know, I felt a little bit disrespected by how this all went down. Buddy, they do this all the time. You know this all the time. (coughs) Sorry, pardon the coughing. So, our new main event for UFC 282 is Jan Blachowicz versus Amalgamate Ankalaev. This was originally the co-main event. Now, it's just for the vacant belt. Which is still a perfectly fine fight. I was going to pick Ankalaev to beat Blachowicz before. I am still going to pick him. I'm not saying Blachowicz can't win that fight, and I'll give you a more detailed breakdown when we approach it. In fact, that'll be next next week, actually. Yeah. Next week, we will preview that. So, more details to follow. But that's the current state of light heavyweight division. But can I tell you, the sport's nuts. The sport is just crazy. Uh, Alright, anything else we want to touch on here? Eh, Alright, let me let me touch on this because this got a little bit of play for some reason or another. Um, Khabib Nurmagomedov was asked, he talked a little bit about the upcoming fight between Islam Makashev and Alexander Volkanovsky. And he said he thought Volkanovsky will be a tougher fight for Makashev than Charles Oliveira was. And for some reason, this offends people. I don't know what to tell you guys. You're not living in reality. If... Look, I'm not knocking Charles Oliveira. Okay? Not at all. I am saying, if you're Islam Makashev... Who's a tougher fighter? Who's a tougher matchup for you? Oliveira, who... Is happy to be on his back more often than not. Who's got a who is become very very pressure very offensively forward. But has a lot of holes in his defense that have been people hitting Charles Oliveira is not new. It's just became harder to put him away. But guys have found his chin a lot. So is that guy the very. Olivera is very predictable, believe it or not. I don't necessarily mean moment to moment, because he's got some dynamism there. But what's the broad stretch of Charles Olivera's game, right? How does he apply it? It's pretty consistent. And it's pretty reliable. And Makashev... It's one of the most impressive things about that fight, actually, if you rewatch Makashev and Olivera. Makashev was ready for everything that Charles Olivera does. He was dialed in from the word go. Oliveira found nothing off, found nothing successful in that fight. Now, let's take a look at Alexander Volkanovsky. Who's hard to take down. Hard to hold down. Now, Makashev's a different beast in that respect. So, I'm speaking broadly just about Volkanovsky here. Whose striking is layered in fakes, feints misdirection whose defense is very very good whose understanding of distance is very very good like is a short guy but despite being shorter and frequently not having the longer reach controls fighters larger than him with his jab effectively that takes a lot of skill Charles Oliveira is a very good fighter. He's a very exciting fighter. You could argue he got done dirty by the Arizona Athletic Commission, and I wouldn't disagree with you. But if we're talking stylistically, you know, who's a tougher fight for Makashev? Yeah, it's Volkanovsky. Doesn't mean Islam can't win that fight. Doesn't mean he won't win that fight. Uh, in fact, I think he might. I've got to really think about that one. But, if you're just looking at it on paper, you know, who's the better fighter in general? Volkanovski. Who's the tougher fight for Mikashev in particular? Volkanovski. Volkanovski's not going to charge headlong into Mikashev. He's not going to get taken down when he does. He's not going to get taken down easily. When he does get taken down, he's not going to play guard. It's not what he does. Volkanovski is physically strong. Not that Olivera is weak, but Volkanovski is physically strong. He's got good power. He's a very he's a technical striker. He can fight five rounds. Like Volkanovski being a tougher fight for Mikashev should not have been a controversial take. And it, again, it's not a slight to Oliveira at all to say that you know the best the pound for pound best fighter in the world is going to be a tougher matchup than Oliveira. Like again, that that should be almost like self evidently true. Then when you get more granular on it, it's even more true. So, uh, I'm still very much looking forward to that fight. By the way, that I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit pumped for that one. I hope nothing happens to it. Knock on wood. Uh, all right. I think that's everything I had as far as news goes here. Let me check Twitter, see if anything crazy has happened, and if not, we will do plugs and get out of here. Yeah, it doesn't look like crazy MMA stuff is broken on Twitter. I mean, just the usual crap that's going on. You know, if, you, if you're repped by Ali Abdelaziz, I suppose you're just, you're, like, contractually mandated to go hang out with Ramzan Kadyrov. Oy. Sorry, that just... Not gonna go into it here. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, there's there's some fighters who are doing some stuff that should get a lot of blowback, but probably won't because MMA. Eh, whatever. All right. You can find me covering professional wrestling a few nights a week over in the MMA zone of main or the wrestling zone of dot com. excuse me. AW's Dark Elevation on Monday, MLW on Thursday, WWE SmackDown on Friday. Uh, and, of course, the UFC event on Saturday. This, uh, as far as podcasting goes, last week was the review of... Uh, what was it? Um, The Menu. Right, right, right. That was a pretty good podcast. Myself, Mark Radlich, Alexis Haina, Jason Teasley, and uh, Dorian Price. We got together. We talked about the menu. Then Mark and I talked a little bit of movie financing and business, because of course we do. And all the usual stuff. All right. This week will be a review of the bomb. The bomb. That is strange world the latest disney animated picture and this thing is cratering on impact oh boy it's uh it's not good it's not looking good not good so we'll review it we'll talk about it a good time will be had by all if you're interested in that that is over on damn you hollywood punch that into wherever you're listening to this you should be able to find that that uh, particular podcast uh, I thank you for your support for this show and any other podcasts I happen to do that you might be enjoying. It means a lot to me. Thank you. We'll be back next week to review UFC on ESPN 42 and to preview the last pay-per-view of the year, UFC, on e- UFC, UFC 282. Should be a good one. Hope to see you all then. And again, to close, I'm so very sorry about the technical difficulties. Should be fixed. Should all be good going forward. I promise to do better for you guys in the future. Thank you very, very much. All right. As always, stay safe out there and continue to be well, be safe, and behave.